Well, I believe I have a message for this time and this hour. I believe God laid it on my heart. And uh, we've come through a October outpouring where we heard the Word of God uh, on, on a regular basis. We were prophesied to. Uh, we, were, uh, we were taught. We were preached to. The presence of God fell. And then we moved into our November fall awakening with the theme of, of, of uh, seasons of saturation. How many know we need seasons of saturation where the Spirit of God just saturates our spirit? How many has a sponge at home when you put it in water, it starts filling up? That's what I feel like in this revival. It just felt like a sponge, and I was just soaking in the presence of the Lord and the Word of God. And today, as we move forward in this month of November, I want us to be thankful. The month of November always reminds me to be thankful. Turkey's all right, but thankfulness is a whole lot better. But God gave me a word, and it's, it's a phrase that I use all the time, but he gave me a word to go with this today. And so uh, I'm not going to be before you very long. You're going to get out in plenty of time to hit all the hot restaurants and get your favorite seat and uh, get whatever you want to eat. But I want you to be attentive to the Word of God today and, and hear it. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 3, starting at verse number 1. It's scriptures that probably some of you Bible scholars could quote today. I'm in the New King James Version. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1 says this, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wow. We've heard this story before. We've heard this miracle before. I just love it when I read it, and he says, I don't have any money to give you today, dude, but what I do have is the Jesus on the inside of me. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to preach with the subject, you can't give what you don't have. Hallelujah. Pray for me as I pray for you, Father. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for this word that's already anointed. I'm asking you to anoint these lips of clay that I may minister, Lord, your word 
to your beautiful people. I ask you, Lord, today that our eyes and our ears are open to see and to hear what you have to say to us. God, don't let me express my opinion. Lord, let me express the word of God. And I ask you, Lord, right now that we receive, that our heart, Lord, is ready for the word. And we will receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. You can't give what you don't have. That phrase works with anything in life. You can't give what you don't have. And if you're giving something you don't have, it doesn't belong to you probably, and you're in trouble. And I do know there's a lawman in, this, in the audience today, so just warning you. You can't give what you don't have. As a church body, we can't give what we don't have. The only thing we have the right to give is the things we possess. Hallelujah. When we possess something, the dictionary says it's the state of having. Well, that's kind of obvious. The state of having, having something. We have liquid laundry detergent right back here. We started with 600 gallons of, of liquid laundry detergent to give out to the community. They advertise on the Greenbrier News, you should know. If they had advertised that without us having liquid laundry detergent, we would have had a riot right out here in this area. Why? Because we wouldn't have something to give that we didn't have. But we had it. We had it. We've been giving it out. Praise God for Sister Kim sitting out there in the cold and the heat. We started in October. It's kind of hot on some of them days, and now it's cold. So still giving out laundry detergent. Well, my boys have asked me for money from time to time. And guess what? I can't give them money if I don't have it. Right? If I don't have it in the bank, if I don't have it in my pocket, I can't give it to them. Someone might say, well, give me a hand with this or lend me a hand with this. Sometimes getting somebody else to help you and they don't know what they're doing is more harm than good. My uncle used to have a saying, he said, you have one boy, you have little help. You have two boys, you have no help at all. I have three boys, so I don't know where that puts me. Well, how many know there's a hurting world looking for answers that we have? You have the answer inside of you. You have the answer living on the inside of you. I told them today, I said, in the Old Testament, the manifestation of God's spirit come into the temple, his presence come into the temple, come into the tents. And now in the New Testament, Jesus did a new work, and the manifestation of the spirits is in us. We need to be manifesting Jesus to the lost and dying world. But you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. People need salvation. They need Jesus. People need someone to love them. People need Jesus. People need help. That's why people need Jesus. All that we can do sometimes is still not enough. We need to lead them to Jesus. You can't give what you don't have. You can't pour from an empty cup. Mm. The woman at the well needed something that only a person full of the Spirit could help. She was in need of a Savior. She was in need of someone to show her the right way of living. 
John 4 and 10 said, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That living water he's talking about is himself. And now he's living in us. And we need to be that living water being poured out on other people. But you can't give what you don't have. We need to make sure that we're full of God's spirit. Amen. Jesus makes us full. When we're in line with Jesus, we have something to give. When we've been in communion with God, we have something to give. It's our job here on earth to spread the good news of Jesus everywhere we go. And if we're not in touch with God, if we're not walking close enough to God, if we're not anointed of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing to give. Don't get quiet on me. You're hearing what I'm saying. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We're all called to be his witnesses. Amen. We're called to testify of God's wonderful works. Amen. Listen to this, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Wow. That's bad news right there. If you're not salt, if you lost the flavor of your salvation, if you've lost the Jesus of your salvation, that's bad news. He goes on to say, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampshade, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow, that gives us an example right there, how to stay full of God. Let our light so shine. Stay full of God. So the first thing on our mind is not coffee in the morning. Breakfast sandwiches from McDonald's. That Egg McMuffin. It should be Jesus. Let me tell you something. When I focus on Jesus all the day long... That's when things go right. When I get up and think, oh, I've got to fix this. I've got to fix that. I've got to run to Walmart. I've got to go to Whit Davis. I've got to do this. My mind wanders from my purpose here on earth. Now, are you saying, Pastor, what, you, you, you don't do your job. You don't have to do all these things. No, I'm not saying that. But guess what? I can still think on Jesus and still do things, fix other things, change light bulbs, change light fixtures, do whatever I need to do. Right? Salt is the type of the Word of God. How many knew that? We should be so full of the Word of God that we're the salt of the earth. The professing believer who no longer holds to the Word is no use to God. If we're not holding fast to the Word of God, we're no use to God. Good preaching, Pastor. That's tough, but that's still good. We can't afford to lose our flavor. The light he's referring to in this scripture is the reflection of the light illuminating from Jesus himself. <laughs> the light of Jesus should never be hid from the world. The fact is proper light from Jesus will not and cannot be hid. If Jesus is in you, it's not going to be hid. I've told this story before. I was uh, playing racquetball with a businessman in Conway. And while we were playing, I don't remember who was winning or losing, but he kept telling me, he said, you're different. I thought to myself, 
Why am I different? What's he talking about? I wasn't cussing him out. I wasn't cussing when I missed a, missed a shot. I, you know, I, I wasn't doing anything like that. I, I know that, but I thought, well, that's not a big deal. And he kept talking to me. After a while, he started talking to me about the scriptures. And, and he was a professing Christian. But he thought I was different from him. Well, sometimes you need to let your light shine, even to Christians. Let them know the Jesus inside. Christians need to be reminded who's living on the inside of them. Right? I used to hear a pastor say all the time, if you're happy, let your face know it. Right? <laughs> we, we, need to, we need to show Jesus all the time. I love this scripture. I threw a couple of scriptures in here, and I was just working on them. I said, God, I'm not even sure why I'm throwing them in, but I want to read them today. Isaiah 58, 1, it says, cry aloud and spare not. Wow. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. It says, tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. I just thought to myself, you know, if Jesus is on the inside, we're going to be lifting up our voices and sharing the good news. Amen. Matthew 10 and 8 says, heal the sick. Cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You can't give what you don't have. He's given these things to us. He's given us the ability, the authority to do these things. But if we don't have the Jesus on the inside like we're supposed to, Lord help us. One of the most sad verses in the Bible is in Judges 16.20. Samson is a story, and most of us have heard of Samson in Sunday school. Samson's been fooling around with the world, getting closer and closer to the world. And finally, he crossed a line of no return. Trying to find out where he drew his strength, Delilah kept asking Samson the source. She wanted to know where he got his strength from. And why? Because she was being paid by somebody to deceive him. I, I read them scriptures over and over. I think, Samson, you're just pretty dumb. Samson, tell me how I can take your strength so I can tie you up. Some of the words she used in the Bible. I'm thinking, somebody starts telling me that, I'm like, uh, I'm not telling you nothing. I'm getting away from you. Well, he started telling her lies. If you tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings, I'll be like any other man. I won't have the strength that I have. She tried it. She woke him up. He shook himself. He shook himself loose, just like thread. I have a couple of Bibles. One of them said, like thread or like yarn. He just ripped through these things. Next, he told her if he was tied up with new ropes that have never been used, he would lose his strength. He lied again. Christians need help sometimes. <laughs> she woke him up. He shook loose again, broke through the new ropes. Next, he said, if you weave seven locks in my head into a web of the loom, that's how I'll lose my strength. He's getting closer. See, these other things tied up his hands and tied up his feet. Now he's getting up to the hair. He was a Nazarite from birth. He was not to touch any unclean thing. He, he had these different distinctions about him. He was supposed to be a Christian man and not be toying with these things. And now he's already messed with her until now he's already up to his head and starting to talk about his hair. A razor was never to come to his head. Well, 
He lied again about the braids, but he's getting closer to telling her the truth. Finally, the Bible says that he was worn out from her constant questioning. Every day she made his life miserable with her questions. She pestered him until he wished he was dead, is what the Bible said. So he told her the truth. Judges 16 and 17 said, No razor has ever come to my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. He gave her the secret to his strength. As Christians, we have a, a secret to our strength. We've walked through some things in our life that people have asked me myself, said, how did you walk through them? If you don't know, our son had cancer at 16 years old, and we walked through that stage of our life, that season of our life. And people kept asking us, how do you do that? And we were just dumbfounded. We were just like, we don't know. We're just walking with God. We wasn't even thinking about the big picture. We're walking from day to day, from hour to hour, minute to minute, walking with the Lord, trusting God that he's going to do what his word said he's going to do. Samson played with the world until he confided with it. Samson got too close to evil, never realizing he was going to cost him his life. What a lesson for us to learn. The closer and closer we walk with the world, the closer and closer we were to hell. I'm just going to say it like it is. The closer and closer we're getting to hell. Lord help us. Samson was so sure in his own strength that he forgot who empowered him. Wow. We think, wow, I've got a good job. I'm making good money. I can take care of this. I can take care of that. Even if you're not making good money. I remember times when I'm barely making any money at all. And I thought, well, I'm doing good with my money. I'm taking care of this. I'm taking care of that. It's not you. It's Jesus. It's the one living on the inside of you that's blessing you. Samson would wake up and shake himself just like he did, expecting the supernatural strength to be there with him. <coughs> But it wasn't there. They'd shaved his head. He didn't have any hair anymore. Samson didn't know the power had left him. This is why this is the most sad scripture that I can think of. In, in Judges 16 and 20, it says, And she said, The Philistines are pulling you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, I'll go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Wow. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and, and he became a grinder in the prison. This man of God went from strength to weakness. <laughs> he went from a man that could see to a blind man. Well, what he once had was no longer with him. And I'm going to tell you that same thing can happen with us if we're not guarding our hearts. The thing we have to give right now, we have it. Jesus Christ, we have it inside of us. But you know what? That's something that can be lost. Now somebody automatically wants to say, well, the Bible says that nothing can separate you from God's love. You are absolutely correct. Nothing can. And the Word of God says that. But the Bible also shows us that we can walk out of His grace and out of His mercy. The strength and the power was no longer there. And he didn't realize that he was powerless. He didn't realize he was weak. What he once had with God was no longer there. 
Too many times in our own lives we find ourselves in situations just like Samson, trying to witness like before, trying to share like we did before, trying to fight the enemy like we did in times past, but the Spirit is not there with us. I've told this story, and I'll tell it again. I thought it the strangest thing, my dad pastoring and, and uh, evangelizing, being a pastor and a preacher all my life. And I knelt down beside him one day and, and heard him pray, and he was repenting. He said, Lord, if I've ever did anything against you, if I did something that I didn't realize, would you forgive me? And I thought, what is this guy doing? He's a preacher. He's supposed to be a Christian. He's supposed to be a man of God. Well, let me tell you how you remain a Christian. Let me tell you how you remain a man or a woman of God. You repent. When God convicts you of something, you fall on your knees and repent. You ask God for forgiveness, forgive you for your shortcomings. Hallelujah. We can't give what we don't have. We can't use what we haven't taken care of. Too many have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. We may talk a good game, but when the rubber meets the road, we better have the genuine article. We better be in touch with God. You might ask, Pastor, what does that look like? How do, how do we have the power of God? How do I know if I've lost the power of God? Let me tell you this. People love to give the appearance of being a Christian. In politics, it's imperative. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Oh, Pastor, you shouldn't get political right here. I'm just telling you the way it is. And if you don't realize it, boy, you've got your, your eyes shut. Every politician is affiliated with some church. Why? Because he's trying to get a vote. Are there uh, political people that are Christians? I'm sure there are. Only God knows that answer. <coughs> Excuse me. What I do know, people want to vote for somebody that's a Christian. This is not even in my notes. I don't know why I'm going there. I'm just telling you. You have to try the spirits. You have to understand just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you are a Christian. Watch the way they walk. Watch the way they talk. You're going to find out real quick. They want the appearance that they're a Christian because they want to vote. A lot of people want the appearance of being a Christian because they want to be in good standings in the community. I knew a couple one time. They never went to church, and they would get up every Sunday morning, put on church clothes at noon, and they'd go to the restaurant and act like they'd been to church. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They go to church. Here, here's another one. They go to church, but they never let God change them. Well, you know, that's just not my personality, Pastor. I'm, I'm quiet, and I just, I'm, I'm seeking God quietly. I want the quiet Holy Ghost in my life. I, I want the quiet Jesus in my life. I don't want, no. The Bible says you're a new creation in God. He's going to work with you. He's going to develop you. You're looking at someone that used to be quiet. Shelly's not real happy with that. I'm not still quiet, but I was quiet. I have one, uh, one of my boys up there in the sound booth. That's the way he is right now. He's quiet. But, you know, when God starts doing something on the inside, it starts flowing to the outside. When you start giving more of yourself to God, he starts pouring more of him into you. And then it's got to come back out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, they say that they're Christian, but their lives never show the fruit of a Christian. Now, we're not somebody's judge. Don't get me wrong whatsoever. 
But the Bible does say that we'll know them that labor among us. We need to know them that labor among us. And if you're a Christian, you're going to show fruits. Each person is showing something in their life. I say it like this. You're leading someone to heaven or you're leading someone to hell. That's the only two uh, destinations. So that's what we're doing. These people that want to claim Christ and never, never do anything, never let Christ come out in them. They never witness. They never testify to anyone. They never tell anyone about Jesus. There's a reason people don't witness. Do you know what it is? I'll take some feedback right here. There's a reason why people don't witness or testify or tell anyone about Jesus. They can't give what they don't have. If somebody wants to talk to me about my wife, I love her. She's a great woman. I'm going to talk all about her. I remember when I was first dating her, I had a little picture. had it in my Bible. I'd show people. Look at here. She thinks I'm the one. See that one? She's a hottie. She's she's the one. She thinks that I'm good looking. She wants to marry me. I was boastful. I wanted to tell everybody about my future wife. When you're in love with something, you like talking about it. I bought a Corvette six, seven years ago and uh, had to drive it this morning out of necessity. The Santa Fe won't run. I don't know what's happened to it. I got to tinker with it. So I had to, and it didn't want to start this morning. It was cold and it didn't want to start. But I bought that car, and now I don't even know where I'm going with that story. Oh, it's something I always loved, always wanted. And so when people started talking to me about my car, I was just, I'm ready to talk about that car. It's old. It's beat up. But at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, look at it. Get about 30 feet away and look at it. It looks pretty good. Don't get close. We'll talk about what we love. Well, too many of us have lost our love for Jesus. Now, don't, don't get on to me. Don't, don't get mad at Pastor and say this. I'm giving you a message today to help you in your walk. You know why? I've been there. I've been there. And you know what? I know what the devil's planning. He wants to get me there again. We've got to be careful with our walk, careful that we keep Jesus on the throne of our heart, that people have lost their passion for a relationship with him. You know why they've lost their passion? It's because they want to be in control. They want to be in control instead of letting Jesus be in control of their life. If Jesus is in control of your life, you're going to do things differently than what you would have done them. If it was left up to me, I would help Jesus out with a lot of different people. I'd run them right in the ditch and say, Lord, there they are. Save them, take them to heaven. We better be prayed up. We better be pumped up in the spirit. We better have the the spirit of God just flowing through us, bubbling out of us. I love it when I meet somebody and they're so cheerful, they're so happy, and I I can just tell, and they didn't have a label that said I'm a Christian or wearing a Christian t-shirt or a devil stomping t-shirt, nothing like that. It's just I could see the spirit of God in them. That's what I love to see, and that's what I want us to be at at all times, that you can see the Jesus in the people at TFT. They're wanting to love people. They're wanting to share Christ. They're wanting to help the community. They're wanting to love on their community. Hallelujah. We have to have something to give, and we will if we have him on the inside of us. It's not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge. I can tell you about school, but not much because I didn't love it. 
Matter of fact, I hated it. So I can tell you very, very little about school. What I can tell you about school, I love, 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 love lunch. Loved recess. The other parts of it, didn't want it. We have to be intentional with our relationship with Jesus. How do we have what we need in Christ? I said it a minute ago, before you were married, before I was married, we would be intentional to be where that individual was so we could spark up a conversation, spark an encounter with them. We wanted to see them more and more. We wanted to be around them every chance we could. We made sure we didn't miss our chance. We'd put ourselves in position to see that other person, be around that other person, to encounter that other person. I, again, what I, what I mentioned earlier, me and Shelly met at a, at a uh, youth camp, and I seen her, and there was plenty of good-looking girls there, and, but she was the one that caught my eye. And I do confess, I'm very shallow. I just thought she was the best-looking one there. And so I took it as a challenge. Challenge accepted. That's the one I'm going for. But I remember during that camp, she would, be, she, she would have to be at certain places at different times. We were the guest speakers. My dad was preaching, and we were playing music for it. And so I could do whatever I wanted. I only had to be at places at a certain time, which was 7 o'clock at night. So all during the day, I could go wherever I wanted on this campground. So I found out what Shelly was doing. And I made sure I kept getting, her, getting in her eyesight. Kept making sure that I was close to her, that I could hear her voice. Getting close to her so I could smell her. Everybody's laughing, but you know how it is. She had a certain perfume. I have no idea what it was, but she had a certain smell. Man, she smells good. I'm going to tell you, when we have that relationship with Jesus, we want to get close enough to hear his voice. We want the fragrance of God. We want to be able to smell. I want him to be able to smell. I want to be so close. Sometimes I walk off the stage soppy wet, and people want to give me hugs. I say, I'm sorry, I'm all sweaty. They're like, it's all right, Pastor. I know what they're doing. I want to be that close to God. I wanted to have him in my life that close. We have to be in position to be in God's presence. We have to be in position to be in God's presence and to encounter God. We have to want God more than we want the things of this world. We have to want God more than we want money. Well, That's just crazy talk, Pastor. How can you preach that? We have to want God more than we want family. Oh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Toughen up. Put your feet under the pews. We have to want God more than we want houses, cars, jobs, securities, relationships, sports, fishing boats, tickets to the game, and even grandkids. Pastor? Even more of God. I've got to have more of God. We have one grandchild. He's six weeks old. He already has my heart. He's the best grandbaby, the best-looking grandbaby. He's all them things, but he can't be my God. He can't come before me and Jesus. He cannot do that, or I will fail God. Lord, help us. We need to learn to want the creator more than we want his creation. 
But pastor, I can't love God more than my family. If you can't love God more than your family, you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble. You're talking about the one that created everything that you're seeing with your eyes. He's the one that created you from the dust of the earth. He's the one that give you vision, give you smell, give you hearing. He's the one that give you your wife, your husband, your kids, your grandkids. He's the provider of everything in your life. And you say you can't love him more than your family? Something's wrong. Lord, help us. When we love anything more than God, we're out of order. We're out of order. Matthew 6, says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He give the order right there. Seek God first. He'll handle the family part. Does that mean we don't love our family? Absolutely not. God give us our family to protect, to love, and to take care of, but never to be our God and to be over him. This is the conditions that God gives for blessings. His interests are to be first. Everything God first. And when we put him first, the scripture is the guarantee of God's provision for our life. All these things will be added to you once we make God first. Hallelujah. Family, friends, houses, cars, relationships will follow after we seek God first. Wow. I love this scripture right here. Matthew 7 and 7. Still doing good on time. 20 till. Ask. Matthew 7 and 7 says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and, for, uh, and, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a serpent. If you then, being evil... That's not very nice, but that's what he's calling us, evil. If you then, being evil, know how to, give God good, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's telling you if you get it right, if you make him first, he's going to supply the needs. He's going he's gonna to fix what you have broken. We have to ask, seek, and to knock. And he said he, that we would receive, find, and it would be open to us. We have to have God at the forefront of our lives to be the example of the believer. That's what a Christian does, puts God first. And when we're putting God first, we have something to give. Hallelujah. We have to be sincere with God. Somebody wants to know, well, why, why do we have to be so sincere with God? God knows the very intent of your heart. Let me tell you something. You can lie to yourself about a lot of things. You can look in that mirror and say, well, I'm looking pretty good today. And you can lie to yourself. I, I lost one pound. I'm looking great. Diet's working perfectly. You can lie to yourself. God knows the intent of your heart. He knows the beginning from the endings, from the beginning to the ending. Psalms 139, 1 through 4 says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows you. He understands you. He understands what you need. 
God knows our heart. He knows everyone in this room. He knows every little detail about your heart. I preached a couple weeks ago about having compartments in our hearts that we don't want anybody to know about. God knows about it. God knows about it. He knows who's serious about him. He knows who's playing games. He knows who wants a relationship with him. And he knows who's playing around with him. He knows who's pretending to know him. Shelly, would you come back? If you want to play that same song, I would... I just love that song. I was studying for this sermon. The last thing that was on my mind was this word. It's in 1 Samuel 4. The priest Eli, uh, his sons and himself, they were killed. The boys were killed in battle. Eli was killed when he heard the news of the death and the ark of God is captured by the Philistines, and Eli heard about this. He fell backward and broke his neck, and he died too. Eli's daughter-in-law heard the news and went into labor. And before she named that new baby Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed from Israel, or it means no glory or glory less, this is what she named the baby before she died. I want to tell you right now, I don't want to be gloryless. I don't want the Spirit of God to be captured out of my life. I don't want to give up the Spirit of God that's in my life. I want to give what God has placed in my heart to others. I want His presence to stay inside of me so I could give it out. To abide, abide in my heart so I'll have something to give. <clears throat> I don't want Ichabod written over the doors of our hearts. I want the presence of God to consume me. I want the presence of God to consume you. I want to be able to share the love of God to everyone that I meet. And that's only possible if I stay full of God. It's only possible if we come in here and fill up on what God has for us. That's why we pray these prayers. God, whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do because you know best. Peter and John, they left everything to follow Jesus. Peter and John saw the miracles of God. They'd experienced the miracles of God. They'd been in his presence. They'd walked with him, talked with him, had fellowship with him. They saw things that most of us would never see. The reason why they'd seen all these things is because they stayed with Jesus. They stayed in the presence of God. They spent time learning scriptures. They spent time in prayer. They spent time in relationship with Jesus. They took the time to be obedient to God's word and tarried for the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. They received what they were given from God, and now they were freely given to those that were in need. They had something to give. They paid a price. <laughs> what is the price? You give your whole heart. You give your life to Christ. And he'll give you something to give. He'll give you something to give. Would you stand with me? Today as we close, I, would, I just want to ask you if you would come around these altars. 
You can kneel if you'd like. You could stand and just worship with this song she's fixing to play. Because I think this song is so important to our hearts. If we'll make room for Jesus. He says he abides in, the, in, in our praise and our worship of him. When he knows that his saints are down here praising and worshiping, he can't stand it. He's got to come near us. The Bible says if we draw near to him, he would draw near to us. He's already did the first step. He already gave his life for you. Today, as these words come out in this song, you can sing them, you can pray them, you can say a private prayer, whatever you want to do. I just want you to worship God today.